Mike will be back to preach to us in a moment, but now it's time to listen to God's word. I'll be reading two passages for us tonight, uh, Psalm 96 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. I'll just give you a moment if you'd like to follow along in your own Bibles at home. Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And our second reading tonight from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you were saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born." Thanks, Tim. Uh, let's uh, take a moment to pray as we come to look at God's word together. O oh God, you alone can order our unruly wills and affections. Would you teach us to love what you command and to desire what you promise, so that among the changes and chances of this world, 
our hearts may surely there be fixed where true riches and joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, as uh, Tim said, this evening we're beginning a new series. We're putting Isaiah on pause and we're spending the next four weeks looking at promoting the gospel. Uh, This series is based on a book by John Dixon, uh, The Best Kept Secret of Christian Mission, Promoting the Gospel with More Than Our Lips. It's a great read, very practical. I recommend it. He looks at a whole variety of different ways that Christians can promote the gospel. Yes, we can use our mouths and speak the gospel to others. Uh, We're going to look at that next week specifically. But we're also going to consider how our behaviour, how our conduct, our money, our prayers, our our, uh, gathering, sorry, our relationships, how every aspect of our life can promote the gospel. One of the reasons we're doing this series is to help us to prepare for the St Jude's Mission Week coming up in early September. Uh, I hope that this series now will be an encouragement to you, that it will clarify how we can participate in God's mission and that it will equip us to join in, not only over the next uh, couple of months, but beyond as well. 155 years ago, St Jude's Church was planted in Carlton. Ten years ago, uh, we began to meet here in Parkville. And over all that time, there's been one vision that has animated this church. To see the Lord Jesus honoured and worshipped in the inner north of Melbourne. Over the last year or two, we've been seeking to grow as God's family on mission. And this series will help us to consider afresh how we can each participate and pursue our role in uh, the mission of our Heavenly Father. But before we get into the practical details of how we can promote the gospel, there's an elephant in the room, something that we have to address. Many of you know that I used to run crowd control for a bunch of 12 to 15-year-olds and just occasionally slip in a little bit of maths and science. Uh, I was a high school teacher and, uh, to be honest, some days there wasn't a lot of teaching going on. I remember the day I told my mentor I was finishing up. We're sitting in the staff room. I told her that I was uh, planning to, to leave teaching and to begin training for Christian ministry. I can still remember her, her face, her reaction, as I start to tell her what I'm doing. Initially, she's very positive. Oh, that's great. You're going to be building community and helping people who are struggling or in need. That's really great. But then there was, there was a moment where I know I need to be honest. And I say, yeah, I'll, I'll also be encouraging people to start following Jesus. Oh, Are you going to be converting people? You could see this immediate change in her attitude. Suddenly I was no longer an ally in the fight for equality and empowerment. It was like I was a different person, a a fanatic maybe, dangerous perhaps to her ideals. I wonder if this sounds familiar To you, I wonder, would you get a similar response in your workplace if you told your friends and colleagues that part of your hope as a Christian is that others will also turn and follow Christ? 
Not that we all need to work in Christian ministry jobs, but if we're all going to be involved in promoting the gospel, then the same question will come up. Why should we promote the gospel? Mike, don't you realise that we live in a a postmodern multicultural society where diversity should be celebrated? Don't you realise that everybody should be free to choose what works for them? Mike, don't you realise that when you say there's only one way to know God, it's not only intolerant, but oppressive. For better or worse, this is often the world we live in. And so, friends, maybe you don't promote the gospel. Maybe for you, Jesus' message is more about being tolerant and inclusive, and so promoting the gospel just doesn't seem to stack up. So as we begin this series, it's really important that we take a bit of time to think about why we might promote the gospel or or perhaps why we don't promote the gospel. I'm not sure what I said to my teacher mentor on that day, uh, but in some ways this sermon uh, contains some of the things that I wish I'd shared with her. Because despite the scepticism of our friends and colleagues and, and despite our own hesitation, there are many reasons we might want to promote the gospel. We might promote the gospel and want our friends to know Jesus because we can see that they're struggling and we know that Jesus offers hope and freedom. It'll be good for them. We might promote the gospel because we love Jesus. He's been so good to us and we want others to experience that same joy. Or we might promote the gospel because we know that Jesus commands us to and perhaps we'd feel guilty if we didn't. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting uh, what's best for our friends. and There's nothing wrong with following Jesus' commands. But there's one fundamental reason to promote the gospel. It's actually the foundational reality of the whole Bible story from Genesis to Revelation. And we see it so uh, beautifully and clearly here in Psalm 96, not in a doctrine or a law, but in a football team song. Have a look at verse 1 to 3 with me. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all people. God wants us to sing a footy team song for him. Uh, This is not just a song for the choir. It's not just for the trained people up the front. It's not for soloists or for professionals. It's for everyone. He says, sing to the Lord all the earth. This is the song for everyone to join in. It's just like a football club song. Think about the words of those songs for North Melbourne fans. Join in the chorus and sing it one and all. Footy songs are for everyone. Footy songs also praise their team and say how great they are. We are Geelong, the greatest team of all. The premiership's a cakewalk for the good old Collingwood. I'm still waiting for a Collingwood fan to tell me what a cakewalk is, uh, but apparently it's not very difficult. Songs are a great way for everyone to join together, to praise and celebrate and proclaim greatness. 
And so God calls the, the whole earth to join in and sing this team song to proclaim his salvation, to, to share of his mighty deeds. But, but why? Why should the whole earth praise this one God? Why should we promote the, the gospel, the, the salvation of this one God? What about Ganesh and Vishnu and the gods worshipped by Hindus? Or Allah worshipped by a billion Muslims worldwide? What about the devotion of contemporary Australians to the gods of health, wealth and happiness? What's wrong with all of them? Surely in our contemporary multicultural world, we should take a broader perspective. Strict monotheism was fine in the ancient world, perhaps, but now we know about religious diversity. The problem is that religious diversity is not a modern phenomenon. The Bible also knows about religious diversity. The psalmist knew that people worshipped other gods. That's the whole point of this psalm, actually. Look at verses 4 to 6. For great is the Lord. Uh, remember where it says Lord here, it's, it's all in capitals. That means it's not just any Lord, but it's the, the name of Israel's God, Yahweh. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Here's where God is different to a footy team. Because most teams are roughly equal. Uh, they go up and down a bit each year, but they're essentially on an even playing field. <clears throat> but what if the Tigers run out for the grand final? And instead of lining up against 18 well-trained professionals, they run out and find 18 tackling bags. Right, it wouldn't matter how strategically positioned these tackling bags are on the field. It's not going to be a fair contest. It's not going to be a contest at all. That's the difference between the Lord and the other gods. It's that stark. Did you notice verse 5? All the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Only one God made the heavens the earth, the universe, and everything in it. In a sense, all these other gods are nothing. They're idols, they're, they're powerless human constructions. All the gods of the nations are created by people, but one God created all the people of the nations. All the gods of the nations are created by people, but one God created all the people of the nations. He alone is our creator. So we owe honour and praise to him alone. Friends, this is the fundamental reason for promoting the gospel. There is one true God who created all humanity. That means there is one true God to whom we owe praise and honour 
and worship and thanks for all his good gifts to us. But sadly, that's not what happens. Sadly, so many of us do not praise and honour the one true God. So many people are singing the team song of lifeless idols instead of praising the one true God. So let's take a moment to look at these idols in a bit more detail. What, what is idolatry and what happens when we worship an idol instead of honouring the one true God? Uh, there's a non-Christian writer, uh, he was from America, David Foster Wallace. He said, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what we worship. Uh, the problem is, Foster Wallace goes on, uh, that most things we worship will eat you alive, he says. Eat you alive. St. Augustine, a great theologian from 1,500 years ago, helps us to understand why that's the case. He says, idolatry is when our loves are disordered, when we love something or someone else more than the one true God. For many Australians, uh, there are lots of things we love more than God. For some, it is a different deity. Uh, Some other... God, other than the the God revealed as Father, Son and Spirit by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, For the many unreligious Australians, it's something else. For some, it's the status and importance we get from our job. For other families, for, for others, sorry, family is most important. Until recently, I would have said that freedom, that the the freedom and experience of travel uh, is a big idol for many. Ale and I had a holiday recently. Uh, We were down in South Gippsland along the coast. And one day we're down by the beach and we meet this couple, Tim and Leonie. Turns out we're both looking for whales. And as we're scanning the horizon, they tell us stories of the dozens of whales they've spotted before, as well as seals and owls and eagles. For us, whale watching is a holiday hobby when we happen to be in the right place at the right time. For them, it's a way of life. They're retired. They devote their days to searching out and photographing the best wildlife. As Tim put it to me, I believe in a higher power, but I'm a nature lover. I'm a nature lover. His heart, his life is devoted to nature, not not to loving the God who made the whales and the seals and the eagles. He knows all about the different types of whales, but he's a stranger to the God who made them. Tim Keller, a contemporary pastor and writer from New York, helps us to see why these kinds of idols like nature or status or money are a problem. He says, for example, if we love our own reputation more than the truth, we're likely to lie. If we love making money more than our family, then we'll neglect our spouse or our children for our career. We could add that if we expect our family to give us meaning and purpose, 
then we're likely to crush them under the weight and pressure of that expectation. Disordered loves lead to misery and breakdown, according to both Keller and Augustine, wisdom ancient and modern. What you worship, what you give your heart to, will own you. Our idols enslave us. They can't deliver what we're looking for. But more than that, when we give our heart to an idol, even to a good thing like family or work or nature, when we give our first devotion to it, we fail to love and honour the God who gave us these good things. When we devote ourselves to anything other than God, we disrespect the one true creator who alone deserves our praise and thanks. Friends, this is our primary reason for promoting the gospel. There is one true God who created all things. And that means there's one God to whom we owe praise and thanks. Psalm 96 hints at a a related but, but another important reason. Look again with me at verse 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. He will judge the peoples with equity. There is one God and so there is one judge to whom we are accountable. We often think of judgment as bad news. But it's not bad news for God's creation. Look at verses 11 to 13. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people's in his faithfulness. Can you see here? The whole creation is ecstatic because the Lord God is coming to judge. It's not hard to think why when you consider the destruction caused by human sin and greed in the world. No more plastic microparticles in the ocean. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. No more acid rain or contaminants in the soil. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. No more deforestation. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy. He comes to judge the earth. The one true God will judge with justice, we're told. And this is good news for the creation because it will be restored. But this is bad news for idolaters. This is bad news for people who love other things more than God. Bad news for people who have shamed God and failed to thank him for his good gifts. But, but God... But God is kind and merciful. Here is the stunning good news. That's what gospel means. Great news, stunning good news. 
even though we have shamed God and dishonoured him by pursuing idols, his son, Jesus Christ, has honoured him. And in fact, this changes the whole trajectory of human history. 1 Corinthians 15 captures it so clearly, uh, as we read from verse 3, What I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared. The one true worshipper of God, the one who never fell into idolatry, he faced the shame of crucifixion. That means he died in the place of idolaters like you and me. He died for our sin. And yet he conquered it. He rose triumphant and glorious. And now he invites the people of every nation to humble ourselves before the one true God, to turn away from our idols and to find true freedom by worshipping the one true God. Psalm 96 gives us a hint of this multinational, multi-ethnic, multicultural reality. Uh, Look at verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. People of every family and nation, from every background, religiously, culturally, ethnically, are called to worship and praise this one true God. And one day this vision will be reality. The great diversity of humanity, united in the worship and praise of our one true God. Brothers and sisters, this is our destiny. This is our world's destiny. This is why we promote the gospel, because we long to see God, to see his son, Jesus Christ, worshipped and praised for who they are and what they've done for us. So as we finish, I've got a question for you. What's on the line for you? What are you willing to put on the line in this series? Over the next three Sundays, we're going to look at all the different ways we can promote the gospel uh, by speaking, by prayer, by giving, by actions of love and integrity, corporate worship, hospitality, gathering together. What's up for grabs. What are you willing to change in your life to better promote the gospel? Or will your life look the same in four weeks' time as it does now? Is your time up for grabs? Will you consider how you could use your time and give your time to promoting the gospel? What about your home and who you show your hospitality to? Is that something you could use to promote the gospel? What about your money? 
What about your reputation at work? What about your career? What about your friendship circle? Who you hang out with and spend time with? How much of your life are you prepared to give to promoting the gospel? Because if there is one true God, and if most of our fellow humans are living in idolatry, and if God sent his son to set us free, to bring us into his freedom and truth, then what could be more important than promoting the gospel? Let's take a moment to reflect in prayer. Our loving Father, we praise you and thank you as our creator for the gift of life, for the many good things we enjoy even in lockdown. We thank you and praise you for the incredible diversity of humanity as well as the diversity of this creation that you've made. Yet, Father, we pray that uh, many more would recognise and thank you for your grace and kindness to us. We thank you that you give new life through your Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his faithful life, for his death for us, for his rising for us. Would you give us hearts that are uh, open to how you would have us spend our life, spend our time to promoting uh, your glory, the glory of the Lord Jesus. Please help us as we seek to promote the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand or remain seated and sing these words to yourself or to those meeting with you knowing that we too are singing them. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing all is mine yet not I but through Christ in me the night is dark but I am not forsaken side the Savior he will stay I labor 